four things the media is not telling you about the story of the Jesse Smollett hoax and the media's latest attempt to tie President Trump to sex offender Jeffrey Epstein is a demonstration of what fake news really looks like. We're going to talk about that, and I'm going to play you some pretty bombshell audio that destroys that whole media narrative around Trump and Jeffrey Epstein. Audio that you will not hear anywhere else. Audio that the mainstream media will not touch. Stick around to the end of the show if you can, and if you found value in this episode, listen to the ways that you can help us out, that you can help us continue to do the show, either donating through PayPal or becoming a Patreon, or one of the other ways that we talk about at the end of the show. Every little bit helps, and right now, we need all the help we can get to continue doing the show, to continue moving forward, to continue exposing and discussing the things that other people are afraid to discuss. I'll put the information in the description box on thepropreport.com as well. And you are listening to The Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley here with Monica Perez. Monica, how are you? I'm great. Doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm ready to dive right into this Jesse Smollett story because there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of really interesting stuff that is getting completely ignored by the media, as per usual. This story, I think, is foreshadowing the types of stuff we're going to be seeing at an increasingly intense level as we get closer and closer to the 2020 election. If you haven't heard about the story of the Jesse Smollett hoax, well, then you haven't been on the internet, and you haven't been in front of a television, and you probably haven't been around a radio for at least a week, and I envy you. Good for you, because this stuff is poison. Agreed. Jesse Smollett is a gay African-American actor who is on the Fox show Empire. I'll give a quick summary of the backstory. I don't want to go too deep on it because it's everywhere else. But basically what happened is in late January, he was in Chicago and he called the police and he reported that he had been the victim of a hate crime. He said he was walking back from a subway, a subway sandwich shop at 2 a.m. in Chicago when two guys in ski mask and maybe wearing red hats. They weren't wearing MAGA hats as originally reported, but they did buy red hats and they might've been wearing red hats, but they were definitely wearing ski mask. He said that they yelled at him and they called him the F word. And then they called him the N word. And then they jumped him, poured bleach on him, and then somehow managed to put a noose around his neck, which if you watch the interview he gave with Robin Roberts before it was exposed as a hoax, He said that he just stood up and realized that all of a sudden there was a a noose around his neck. So he didn't remember it happening, and he claims that all of this happened in less than a minute, and he said that they shouted, this is MAGA country, and then he went inside with a noose around his neck still and his sandwich. He he held on to his sandwich, and he waited for 40 (laughs) minutes, and he called the police. So obviously this story on its face, when you see it, it makes you go, okay, that's probably not true. What they're telling us, I don't Cause know. What's mostly because it's not MAGA country. Who would think Chicago, <laughs> urban Chicago is MAGA country? Right. It, it just, the the perfect stereotypes of the way it was yeah. originally reported. It's just a caricature. It's hitting all those checkpoints of the stereotype they want people to, to believe is real. But um, it, it was clearly not going to be what, at the very least, it was going to not be 100% accurate. Really, most people are going to be like, all right, I- I'm really not going to believe any of this until we get some more you know, evidence of it because there wasn't any evidence going. So ultimately, uh, they arrested a couple of guys. The police did. And these two guys were suspects originally. But after holding them for like 48 hours, questioning them and questioning a bu- bunch of witnesses and 
really using some interesting technology, which is going to be one of the four things they're not telling you about. They released these guys and they arrested Smollett and they have now charged him with disorderly conduct, which is an interesting charge, but they are, they have claimed that he set the whole thing up and Smollett is still saying that he's innocent. Oh, it's he he's really? the victim. Yeah. He's Turn saying he's the victim of a, and he right. had to pay bail, but, uh, he sa- says he's innocent. He maintains his innocence. Oh. He says he is the victim of a corrupt system and it will ultimately become a corrupt and racist system. It's the same argument that Stacey Abrams makes about her loss. She is that what's his name? You know, he might've won legally, but she's the victim of a racist corrupt system. There's going to be this theme ongoing over the course of the next year. And I think it'll be clearer why he's maintaining his innocence unless they're really pulling a fast one on us. And they're like putting obvious hoaxes out there and then making everybody jump on board and then have to retract and then later saying, ah, see, maybe it was real. Like just really, yeah, yeah. really pulling yeah. the, but um, yeah, he maintains his innocence. And I think you'll see why he does that when we go through some of these things that the media is not telling us. Here's the first thing that I've heard nobody talk about in the media that is very much vital to this story, to understanding Smollett. They are claiming in the media that he did it because he wanted an increased paycheck which I absolutely think is plausible in the current political environment. No doubt people have tried it. Do a grand virtue signal and hope that a GoFundMe comes your way or hope that you get a great job at a progressive organization or more roles in more films. However, once I looked into Smollett's background, that excuse doesn't really hold up. He comes from a family of activists. He was raised in the orbit of the Black Panthers. And this is according to a 2015 New York Times article. The title of the article is The Smollett Family Business, Acting and Activism. It says that he comes from a family with a history of activism. He was raised around the Black Panthers, and he has engaged in political activism since he was a child. And the article goes on to say that Smollett says his mom was in the civil rights movement with the Black Panther founders, Bobby Seale and Huey Newton, and that One of her first mentors was co-founder of the Southern Poverty Law Center, Julian Bond. He also says that to this day, former member of the Communist Party, Angela Davis, is one of his mom's dearest friends and that he himself has sometimes spent Mother's Day with Angela Davis. So just to give you an idea of who these people are, Huey Newton and Seal were the founders of the Black Panthers, and they had a policy of using violence or the threat of violence to get what they want when necessary. They were also both black separatists. Newton once did a six-month prison term for stabbing someone multiple times. He was also convicted of killing a police officer once, a ruling that was eventually overturned and then retried, which resulted in a hung jury. Seal, on the other hand, is most remembered for his histrionic outburst during a trial in which he was facing charges of rioting during the 1968 Democratic National Convention. He did multiple dramatic displays in the courtroom until the judge ordered him tied down and gagged. The stunt got him numerous contempt of court charges and resulted in him getting a four-year prison term. When he got out of jail, he also praised the killing of a man who allegedly got his wife pregnant while he was in there, something that many people believe that he ordered from prison, although he was never charged. Angela Davis was the third woman ever to make the FBI's top 10 most wanted list. So this is the group who is influencing Smollett and helping shape his values and his activist behavior from a very young age. Oh, and Seal, while he was in prison, claimed that he was a political prisoner, a victim of a racist and corrupt system. 
That sounds kind of like the defense that Smollett has been making for himself the past couple of days. And Smollett has definitely shown a flair for the dramatic, just like Seal did back in that courtroom. So when you consider who he learned activism from as a child, the idea that he did this little stunt for the sake of making just a little bit more money doesn't really hold water. It begins to look more like he's a operative on some sort of mission. Oh, and Julian Bond founded an activist group, another activist group that reserved the right to use violence when necessary, that Stacey Abrams' parents were a part of as well. So it's quite possible that Stacey Abrams' parents and Smollett's parents were running around in the same circles back during the civil rights movement. All these people are tied together. Every single time when you look. The video of Jesse and Kamala last year. No, I didn't. Oh, yeah. They were um, at a a very looked like a very small protest saying time's up, like chanting time's up, time's up. January 15th, 2018. You talk about the accusations, the Me Too movement, the the essential message there is accusations equal guilt. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the and uh, the problem with that is. The whole Bill of Rights is set up to make sure that accusations do not equal guilt because that's what the British use and it's what governments use to silence people politically. It doesn't have to be uh, the accusation is nothing to do with politics, but it silences the person, puts them in jail, whatever. And that's why you need your rights as purely as a protection against a government that you're working against. So the this experiment in limited government includes making sure you're insulated from political attacks for political purposes. And in this case, it's vice versa in that they are using this general accusation of MAGA equals hate equals Trump's America, whatever, for political right. purposes. And they're making entire groups of people look guilty by accusations that absolutely never have to come to fruition. Kamala Harris, I think, is someone who, you know, she's so political. This guy's an actor, but she is a politician who's going to be running against Trump. So you have to look at these operations as potentially that, yes, political. Exactly. And the hoax, that, but, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, all this yeah. hate stuff, you got to remember, hate crimes, <clears throat> they talk about statistics with hate crimes and everything, but... And there's all these articles like hoaxes are rare, hoaxes are rare. They are not rare. I was reading an article really important. I know. They're not yeah. rare at all. These are being highlighted for a reason, which is on my list too. But yes, they are not yeah. rare at all. One of the groups – I know there's the FBI statistics on people who have reported hate crimes. I don't See, think that's it's the convictions. Thing. Right. That's why they're saying that, they're, that there aren't too many hoaxes. And they, they, there was some statistic I saw of the many, many thousands and thousands of hate crimes reported – only 50 are estimated by some, you know, non-official group as being hoaxes. But my argument is, does that mean that 99% of those hate crimes were convicted or just not exposed as hoaxes but never prosecuted? Right. They, they act like they, – they act as though just because they did not expose the hoax that, they, that only they exposed the hoax. So that's how we know hoax, hoaxes don't exist because – they would expose them if they existed. But of I mean, course they the wouldn't. I know, and the exactly. The idea of hate crimes in general is is upsetting because it doesn't it, it, you the elements of a crime are mens rea and actus reas. You have to mean to do the crime and then you have to do the crime. Having getting an elevated sentence for having a prejudice is 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 punishing people's 
thoughts and feelings, having thoughts and feelings, which is a First Amendment violation. So you have to be careful. <clears throat> not, I mean, I just I object to hate crime as a generally as a thing that can put people into jail because it also violates double jeopardy because you're putting them into jail for what they did, and then again for what they thought while they were doing yeah. it. But a crime is not a thought. A thought is not a crime. It has to be the crime. So the crime, the thought that backs up a crime for a conviction is that you intended to do the crime. And it wasn't just an accident. The reason you wanted yeah. to do the crime is not pertinent to how much you get punished. But it, they don't really care about the hate crime getting to the point where they put people in jail, although that is a problem. They really just like these statistics to throw around. And this adds to those, especially if nobody's exactly checking them out. And they also throw out this, the number of hate groups that has gone up. There are more hate groups in America right now than you know since whenever. Who identifies the hate groups that they're talking about? The Southern Poverty Law Center. Well, I just read an interesting statistic. This is from incredibly biased. Right, that, that they're being identified. Hate groups are being identified, but hate – and they've been increasing, I think, 25% one year recently. But hate crimes – we're not actually going up. So so it's so either they're misidentifying hate groups or hate groups are not actually the cause of hate crime, <laughs> you know, yeah. that they exist. But I also want to know why the police put so much time and effort into I would tell you. I'm okay, getting to that. I right. have yeah, I have an answer all for right. you. That's number I wonder four. and I don't want to steal your thunder, so keep going. All right, so the first thing that the media is ignoring is the relevance of Smollett's background to his motive for doing what he did. Because when you look at his background, it indicates that you might want to explore the possibility that what he did is part of a bigger operation, strategy, leading towards the 2020 election. That leads us to number two. The second one, and you just touched on it, is this Jesse Smollett hoax story is serving the 2020 progressive agenda or, or strategy, which is to divide America, to violently divide America along racial lines better than any real hate crime ever could. So real hate crimes happen. This, When people believed this one initially, it was reported, but it did not blow up until it was exposed as a hoax. But even though it was exposed as a hoax, it made the conversation be about the growing racial tension mm -hmm. and divide in america and it also made the conversation this is the talking point that i've heard over and over and over again it's because of this story we need to believe victims even more than we already did so because we <laughs> got duped we need to trust harder and question less what I mean, is that's, the, that's really the logic there? reality yeah there's there's no logic to it. It, it and the idea goes back to what you just said hoaxes rarely happen we know because we would tell you, <laughs> therefore, you need to trust harder and question less because of this. I mean, and that that is crazy. It's almost like and, a and test of if you are a true believer. So are you going to defend Jesse Smollett because he, his lie reveals a, a deeper truth? Facts are facts, but truth is truth. And he ah, just a great you. He's a hero. That. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I almost forgot about my clip that you're going to love. This is the <laughs> only right. clip that I pulled from his interview with Robin Roberts. I watched like 30 seconds of his interview with Robin Roberts before all this stuff came out, and it was 100% obvious to me that he was lying. I mean, he's a drama queen. Yeah. I mean, he's an actor, but my gosh, this this interview was so over the top. Yeah, it, when it, you watch older so interviews lying. of him, he's not like that. 
he's like a normal, charming seeming. I fe- I I don't know the clips I heard. He did sound like he was being overly dramatic and not actually very sympathetic. Well, you're going to hear it right here, and it goes yeah. back to what you're just saying. This is this is the message that they're getting across. It's the grander truth. It's this idea that it's okay if we lie. It's okay if we put on a hoax. It's okay if we spread propaganda, as long as this propaganda is demonstrating a greater truth that are happening to people without a voice. So I had to do this. I'm a proxy. I had to put on yeah. this show because all these people, they, they can't get your attention. So therefore, it's nice. okay. Now, here's, the, nice. here's yeah, what he's yeah, been. Yeah. You know, at first, it was a thing of like, listen, if I tell the truth, then that's it because it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Then it became a thing of like, oh, how can you doubt that? Like, how do you how do you not believe that? It's the truth. And then it became a thing of like, oh, it's not necessarily that you don't believe that this is the truth. You don't even want to see the truth. So it's the greater truth. Right. We don't want to see the greater truth. I just told you the truth. How can you question you as an investigator of crime, sir? How dare you investigate crimes? And even if it's wrong, the fact that you doubted it means that you don't accept the tr- that deeper truth. So it's a test. This is fake, but if you think it's fake, you failed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The more outrageous right. a lie is, the more you have to double down on your virtue signaling by believing it regardless. And if it isn't true, it doesn't matter. Virtue signaling. And, then the, and if you do question and you don't accept that, you're a racist or a homophobe. Right. Because I, I mean, you don't the logic recognize just- what they're going through every day. But I always get back to the same thing with these stories. If it's happening a thousand times a day, then just use the real ones. Just use the real yeah. stories, and we don't have to deal with this because it's d- divisive. I'm reading this great article about hate crime as like laws against hate crime, which, according to this 2016 article, Georgia still does not have a hate crime statute. That in Gwinnett, that they just oh, proposed did they a hate just, crime law. Oh, proposed it. All right. Well, I should tell people about it. Um, we should talk about it because you're not going to want it because it it doesn't help, and it destabilizes society by increasing tension and resentment. And it makes Mm -hmm. the victim class feel persecuted and it makes the non-protected class feel vulnerable. And then that makes them hate each other. So it does the exact opposite. This was just a law review article, but it does the exact opposite of what it's meant to do. Yeah. And people who question on the, like in this story, the people who, when it first came out, didn't believe it or they questioned it or they said, that doesn't, it looks like it might be staged. Even though they were correct, even though they were right, by them saying that, it just shows how racism is spreading across America, even though they were right that it was a hoax. But the very denying of someone who claimed to be a victim of a hate crime means that racism is spreading across America. It's just it's it's kind of crazy when you step back and think about it, that a made up hate crime has further increased racial division and tensions and further solidified these stereotypes that aren't real in America than any real hate crime has could ever have done. No they, other story would have gotten that. And that's exactly what progressives wanted, to focus national attention on and to amplify racial tensions leading up to the 2020 election because they need racial division and tension to be relevant. They depend on it. 
And this story gave them exactly what they wanted, even though it's fake. Smollett, as an activist, in my opinion, successfully achieved the progressive objective in this case. And and the thing about the hate crime stuff, look, I there's definitely tons and tons. I mean, I, I assume that it's still in existence, hasn't been eradicated uh, since I was younger, but I definitely witness racism, racial epithets, all that kind of stuff. But what even then, what I never would see, and I guess what they're saying is Trump makes people feel safe doing this, but what you wouldn't see is in an urban environment like Chicago, in the middle of the night, a bunch of, you know, backwoods yokels is how I think of it. And maybe that's prejudice too. But I just feel like people who are in an urban environment just don't, you know, that's just not something they would, you know, never do. And I feel like, I just I find it implausible, this pattern that's emerging, that people wearing MAGA hats in big cities are attacking others. In Chicago, in public. and I'm yeah. pretty sure this guy was in Boys Town. I used to live in Chicago near North Shore uh, by the lake, which was not far from there. There's nobody in MAGA hats running around Chicago screaming this is MAGA country. So that is not actually a real representation of what's going on there. Yeah, and, and probably what, where is it coming from? So the story is that these people have all these latent feelings that are coming out because Trump exists. Is that right? Yeah, the idea is that Trump has emboldened racists to to march. You know, as though the way they're they're celebrating that they had you know MAGA and they had their president is now that we have our president, let's put on our MAGA hats and go start running around the country targeting minorities. Like like that's really a good way to celebrate. And keep your president in office. And that that does you any good. I mean, the bottom line with a lot of this stuff is that racial divisions and economic divisions have a lot of overlap. And I think you find like in in value systems or what you have or what you fear, what you want brings people together more than just arbitrary racial lines in the same economic setting I, I don't you know i don't know i just feel like i just feel like in an environment where like any american and maybe even non-american can get handouts if they're hungry you, you just don't you don't have that upspringing wellspring of anger and clashing you know what i mean it just it all feels fabricated to me maybe i shouldn't be thinking on my feet here with this but it just it feels artificial to me because there. It is no real, um, you know, get get yourself off the couch to have like hatred towards others is often a, a, just a response to that kind of fundamental anxiety, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to manifest reality with it. Obviously, racism exists. Obviously, there are incidents. But I, I agree. I don't believe that it's running rampant across the country. And like I said, this is all setting up for the 2020 race. We're going to continue to see this this type of maybe not this dramatic, but this is going to be a continuing theme up until 2020. And the race is going to be framed. I mean, they're going to try and make this peak. Like people need to step back and resist the urge to buy into it, or it will manifest reality because they're going to keep pushing it. But it's going to be framed something like progress versus hate. And we know it's going to be framed that way because that's exactly what it says in the indivisible guide. That Trump's America is racist, sexist, homophobic, corrupt, and we need to show them a new vision of a of a progressive America 
so that they can choose between hate and progress. And and this is what this is the context that stories like this are setting up for 2020. And it, it, it could be dangerous if they continue to do this, if people continue to buy into it. So like and the, the aspect of him being gay, too, as though uh, hate crimes against gay people are, are like as though people are just gay bashing everywhere in the country because of Trump. Even though Trump, his ambassador to Germany is the first openly gay U.S. ambassador. There's a lot of stuff that uh, really contradict all of these points, all of these messaging that hate, 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 hate he, is rising. Trump never had nobody pays any, any attention to of that stuff before this whole He's, theme yeah. emerged. I mean, Snoop Dogg did his roast on Comedy Central. They were very cordial there was no like underlying oh trump's a racist he never came off as a sexist he gave his wife the keys to the kingdom when he was in the casino business which was probably a little under the table stuff i don't know but there was never that was just not his thing he was a womanizer that is true he was a womanizer so the first one again the first one the media is not talking about dude's a political operative raised by radical black panthers who has been involved in activism since a child the second one is that this is setting the agenda for progress versus hate in the 2020 election. That's the context that this is fueling into, this racial division. Uh, the third one is this story, along with two other stories, have enabled the mainstream media to rebuild and solidify themselves as the only trustworthy source to its audience, while also helping to <laughs> suppress alternative voices on social media. The first one, you'll recall, about a month ago, the BuzzFeed story, where... Yeah. BuzzFeed reported that Trump instructed Michael Cohen to lie to the special counsel, according to someone inside the two, special counsel. According which to two people yeah, inside. <laughs> yeah, two people, right. Not just one, two. And immediately you're like, really? The special counsel knows for sure that he committed obstruction of justice, and we're hearing this not from them, but from BuzzFeed? That makes a lot of sense. BuzzFeed reported it because they're an easy scapegoat because they're an an entertainment website that made its name off of listicles. Five ways to get the girl in under two weeks. You know, shit like that is how they, well, which friends character are you? That's how they made their name. <laughs> and they've been breaking some of the most important oh scandal news which one around Trump. So they're an easy scapegoat. <laughs> CNN's reporting on this was kind of reserved. They still had the headlines that left the impression in people's right. minds. This story, even though it was hoax, there's going to be people who six months from now, it still has the same effect because they can't differentiate which ones were real and which ones weren't. So it'll still have the same impact that it, it, you know, it makes them feel like racial tensions are spreading. So CNN, MSNBC too, they were able to make themselves look reserved, not jumping to conclusions and saying, now this is Bud, BuzzFeed's reporting that we have not yet been able to independently verify. You know, none of our anonymous sources have been able to independently verify this. And then of course, a little bit later, the special counsel releases a statement saying that, it's not true what they said. So this enabled CNN and the other networks to kind of criticize BuzzFeed and then to pat themselves on the back about how reserved they were and how they waited for the facts to come in. And that's what they did. They patted themselves on the back doing that. And shortly after that, a bunch of BuzzFeed people were fired. And after they got fired, people started tweeting stuff at them saying, hashtag, learn to code. It was like a meme. You, you lost your job. Better learn to code, bro. Oh, funny. That became a suspendable meme. So 
by default or, or, or a, a secondary effect of that story was that people were getting suspended on social media for making fun of BuzzFeed. Really? Yes. Why? I don't get it. Probably hate and bullying. Oh, bullying. Like I did to Sheriff Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like there's a thing. There's a psychological <laughs> principle, a trick. It's been studied for decades. And it goes like this. The way to – a way to build credibility uh, within your audience is to mess something up and then admit to it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And and that's a trick that swindlers use, that salespeople yeah, yeah, use. They'll do they'll do something you look that makes right. And, and so the audience's mind, they go, "Oh, okay. See, now I trust them." And it builds in the audience's mind. It makes them say, kind of like what we were talking about a second ago. I would know if that story was a hoax because I trust them because they admitted they were wrong in the past. Mm-hmm. So anytime this other network or other person is saying they're lying, I know they're not because they would tell us if the story was wrong. So that, that's what they're trying to build, really build, solidify uh, the audience's mind. And they got another opportunity to do this, to report a story falsely, then turn around and make a correction to make themselves look trustworthy when the Covington Catholic MAGA hat kids story broke. The MAGA hat kids at Covington Catholic and the, the Native American and the black Israelites, that little clip of the video of the kid standing there and the Native American hitting the drums – that was instantly you know, spread far and wide as a racist MAGA kid ambushing the poor old wise Native American. That's how it was framed. But if you actually watch that, even that little video that was used, that is not apparent at all. Anybody who's thinking, using their mind, says, well, there's obviously a greater context here. And it's not clear in the video who the good guys or who the bad guys are. Nothing that those headlines described is easily seen in the video. Yet those headlines still go viral as though that's the only way to interpret that video. This was one of the most obvious cases of let's wait and see if there's going to be some more video released because this is out of context. They you know, had doesn't to have make known. Clear that- I mean, that was – and even in this with the Smollett thing, the fact that they ran with it from the very beginning without thinking right. it could yes. be a James yes. O'Keefe-type hoax, like a double hoax, or we could get burned again like MAGA hat or BuzzFeed. Yes, it feels like – it's All on purpose. It's to is, make a mistake yeah, on purpose. It's a pattern. So they can then correct the record. And see, after they corrected the record on this BuzzFeed story, so to speak, they didn't really correct the record because all they said was, new video has put more context in the situation. It is now unclear who started the confrontation. We don't know if it was the Native American or the racist MAGA children. So they Do still they implied still say that, they were, that? They implied that, yes. Oh my so for the second time in the span of a week, the media gets it wrong on a story that they should have never gotten wrong. Then they turn around and correct it and pat themselves on the back for how trustworthy they are. The theme in the aftermath of this one was, well, we got it wrong, but at least we corrected it because we're in an age of 24-hour media, 24-7. There's going to be mistakes. Making mistakes isn't bad. As long as you correct them as soon as you find out that you made a mistake. This was a theme carried on Brian Stelter's Reliable Sources, the most unreliable source of truth there is on television, where he framed it like this. Yeah, we got it wrong on this, but at least we corrected it, unlike the president does when he tells lies. The president never corrects his lies. Fox News media never corrects their lies. We got this one wrong, but when we get it wrong, we're going to be the first ones to correct it. So that's why you need to trust us. And... Shortly after that, 
CNN then scapegoated a Twitter account for being responsible for framing the story because, you know, a, they're journalists, uh, a billion dollar company. They don't have any money to actually do investigative work, so they have to take their news framing from a Twitter account. <laughs> and the Twitter account was responsible. They were victims of fake news. <laughs> CNN, MSNBC, victims of this Twitter account that spread this lie. So this Twitter account spread this lie. CNN claimed to have exposed it, and that Twitter account was suspended. And in the following days, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook all enacted stricter content policies about who can post what. No way. Right on the heels of that. That's yeah. so. Who who to thunk it? The message being. CNN, MSNBC, that's where you get your news. We're going to continue to silence anybody with an alternative opinion on social media. And same thing with this story. This story was another way for them to say, oh, we got it wrong, but we got duped, and we're going to give you the real story now. You can see how trustworthy we are. So you only come to us, so trust us. And that's leading up to this 2020 election, and that's the type of censorship that's – they're trying to get control of the internet. Yeah, but unfortunately, that's the type of censorship that – you. Historically, you see before wars. Yeah. Number four, the fourth thing they're not really talking about. This is the one that you were mentioning earlier. The scary smart policing technology that was used to track the original suspect and crack the case, the predictive policing technology. Let me read something. Oh, yeah. The city of Chicago has access to a vast network of both public and private video surveillance cameras. Michael Chertoff, the former secretary of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, recently said, I don't think there's another city in the U.S. that has as extensive and integrated camera network as Chicago has. Um, There's some more stuff I want to read to you, but before that, I want to play. And this is a long clip, but it's worth listening closely to. This is one of the police officers boasting about how this smart policing, predictive technology helped them crack this case. Just listen had to how they did this started searching the area for video cameras and witnesses that could help us with our investigation uh, during that time frame we we interviewed over a hundred individuals in a canvas of the area and a follow-up canvas as our investigation expanded we located approximately 35 of our Chicago police pod cameras in the area and in the areas that we determined these two, uh, these two persons of interest fled. We additionally found over 20 private sector cameras. And uh, I got to say that that was, that was super useful in this investigation. The city came together to investigate and help the police with this crime. It was because of these pod cameras our investment in, in, into technology in the city of Chicago and the, the uh, great uh, uh, assistance from the community in giving us those other cameras that led us to a really solid timeline of where our two persons of interest went. So in short, we were able to track them initially, initially forward. So after the crime we were able to see that they fled uh, in a particular direction and eventually got into a cab. Our investigators located that, that cab, interviewed the cab driver, got some video out of that cab, followed that cab using all of these uh, surveillance cameras that are located throughout the city, the pod cameras, to an area up on the north side 
where they abruptly stopped the cab, got out, and walked on foot. Again, the community came together to provide us with security footage from their private cameras. So at that point, he then started tracking these two persons of interest backwards, backwards to where they came from. So we, we followed them walking around and eventually back to where they had gotten out of a cab. So that was another individual that we had to interview and another individual where we sought video. Odd cams are, it stands for police observation devices. And this is like predictive technology. He gives a pretty extensive uh, you know, example of how they can track people all over the city. But what he was talking about when he was saying that these, these private cameras that people were helping us with is that people can opt in to have their, their private They're doing that be... in, uh, in Dunwoody, I think. I just read an article about it. Are they? I tweeted it on AJC. I tweeted an AJC article this week saying people opting in to donate their ring video to cops. And there was an article like that we did a couple of years ago, too, a year or two ago. Saying they were they were uh, donating like their surveillance cameras in stores and everything to the to the I thought I feel like that was Brookhaven. Um, not one hundred percent positive it's done. Woody, I'll have to double it wouldn't check. surprise me. They're yeah, it's they the were, ring R I N G system. I noticed that that cop said something about this. The prosecutor said something about it, and they kept emphasizing how the actor, when he was setting up the hoax. How he kept saying to the two guys, he kept pointing at that ca- that camera, that camera, that camera, and that camera, the one that he – they make it sound like he was trying to get them to do the thing under the camera so that it would yeah. be on camera. Yep. And apparently that was the only camera that didn't capture them, that didn't get any images. But I think the reason they <laughs> were saying that camera, that camera, that camera – this was – they were testing out this extensive – it's some sort of test that they were. They just wanted to see how good this mass surveillance technique worked. And let me read this to you here. Um, officers view, re- reviewed more than four dozen cameras to trace the men's movements before and after the alleged attack to determine where they lived and who they were. Authorities have access to more than 32,000 cameras mounted on buildings, poles, trains, tunnels, buses, and private homes. Like I said, people with private homes, they opt in. So if you opt in, the cops can well, come. Well, that's in. how it's going to start. But is there yeah, any yeah. any reason given as to why Chicago, with a skyrocketing murder rate, is dedicating these resources to that guy's not really getting hurt in the middle of the night? No, I haven't heard any of that. I mean, I just don't. Why? He didn't even call the cops for 40 minutes. Yeah, I think so he was why on the are phone they taking two weeks and yeah, 50 cops? You know, he had to like, eat his sandwich. <laughs> he still had a sandwich. Had to they are good. Subway is good. So there were some other facts about this. Let me see but I mean, you ha- that alone is the tell that you need that this this story was meant to be bigger than a hoax to get this guy's salary increased. Because and this is how it's always when the yeah. cops and the media play into something unfolding like that in a way that they otherwise would not. You know that there is a higher level place this story kind of thing. But they, I mean, the fact that the cops went bananas on this story and uncovered a deeper truth 
is just not yeah. believable to me. You know what I mean? They would literally say to you, so uh, you're not hurt? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, why did you wait 40 call, minutes? Call and, you and names? Why is <laughs> the noose still around your neck? <laughs> and why is it made of arrive? rubber? Why is this made of rubber? <laughs> Just don't get it. These cameras also, cameras that are part of this system, this smart policing predictive technology, this all goes to this 5G Internet of Things smart city stuff. Oh, which they Trump is now calling for. 5G, yeah, I saw that. <sighs> They have facial recognition technology. I think a lot of people know that. They can tell when somebody who's, who has committed a crime is in the general vicinity. So if, you, if wow. you've been convicted of something and you're walking around, it, it, the camera alerts itself to you. Oh my I think that's the predictive gosh. aspect of it. And there's and like a gate, big – Gate recognition also, FYI. Gate. What's that? Oh, if they can't see your face, they can recognize your unique walk. Oh wow! Yeah, that's crazy. Gate recognition twenty. Yeah. So have, have you seen Batman? I think um, one of the ones with Christian Bale, where he's sitting in his his bat cave and he's got cameras of the whole city everywhere. He's just sitting there looking at all these TVs. No. And he's just watching the whole city. There's a scene like that. It's kind of like Fun World, where there's people watching everybody Love all the fun time. World. There's yeah. actually there's a big like center that the police have where they just can watch the entire city with these cameras. I was reading some articles about it and they were saying that it's like when you go in there it's it's obviously these are privacy concerns because you don't realize well, so some cameras yeah. you realize are there others you don't realize. This is what I think about that. If they have the right to look at that stuff without warrants, then it's then it's inherently public and every single one of those cameras should have a dedicated live streaming URL. I'd watch it. But you understand what I'm saying? And then people yeah. can say, oh, I don't want this all there. But why can they watch it? And you can't. If they if the cops are allowed to watch it, then everybody has the right to watch it unless they have a warrant. Unless they specifically got the right to watch it and the general public does not have that right. Yeah. You understand I mean, what I'm saying? Can, Plus you yeah. can use it as defense. If they have exclusive use to that, the 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 corruption information is power knowledge is power power corrupts if they have yeah. all the knowledge and every time you see in that year or two of the black versus blue strategy of tension you saw only truncated video you never ever saw the beginning or the end of the video same thing with that initiating facebook live show where the guy was supposedly killed by a cop you really never saw Oh yeah, you didn't see the whole thing. You have no you idea. You did what really actually. You, you saw you saw the cop shaking in his boots. I remember that. They definitely showed that. But you just don't get the full context ever. And then you can. It gets bigger and bigger. And as it gets bigger, as they un, as they peel the onion, the perspective point of view changes. And then you how you read it changes. Like with the MAGA hat kids, I kept thinking as you peel and peel and peel, you're going to find that the MAGA hat kids were guilty. But actually, you didn't. As you peel and peel and peel, you realize that. There's a lot of agents provocateur there that weekend, yeah. hoping for something and ready for anything. Yeah, and going back to the idea of having full transparency on those cameras, we would also need to get the full psychological data and all the all the profile because they also oh, get all metadata. Yeah, actually, yeah. anything they get should be. There's no reason for them to have confidentiality on anything they didn't get a warrant for. 
because what they're claiming is that they have a right to that information. And if they don't have a right to it as investigating a crime, if it's just considered public information, right, there's no other way they can have a right. I mean, they might claim national security, but the national security state, I mean, that's when you have to just break that down because it's just an excuse for anything. Yeah, here's what we're looking at in the future with 5G and able to handle big data and uh, technology that can, you know, quickly uh, create a profile is these cameras everywhere. As soon as you walk out on the street, it's just scanning you. And in an instant, it has a full psychological profile pulling from your Facebook page, your Twitter account, the words you use the most, the things that you're into, the people you hang out with, your patterns of behavior, where you go, every your moves to, to the point of where they can predict what you're going to do in an instant before yeah, you even know it's what like you're five do. dimensional in that it includes not only the spatial dimensions and the time dimension, but the psychological dimension, your yeah. patterns. All right. So that's that story. Those are the things that the media is not talking about in regards to the Smollett story. I want to quickly, before we get out of here, address Another story that's been in the news, and really, this story shows how fake news really works. It's a lot more subtle than people are uh, than the than the media would have us think. You know, the media would have us think that it's just a blatant lie. Is fake news? No, fake news is using truthful elements of a story, leaving out vital facts, and leaving a false impression. That that that's that's the idea of of fake news. That's one. That and, you know, the broader strategy of it. Okay, first I want to talk about the false impression that they are trying to create with this story and how they're doing it. And then I'm going to play you some audio that it's really shocking, hasn't been played anywhere in the mainstream media that I can tell, that I've heard of. Audio that completely destroys the false impression that the media is working hard to create, which is exactly why it hasn't been played anywhere. Jeffrey Epstein, the... Pedophile, sex offender, everybody knows. If you want to hear more about Jeffrey Epstein, you can listen to the Tinfoil Hat podcast that Monica and I were on recently. I'll put a link in it. But he's back in the news again. He's been back in the news recently. And he was in the news yesterday because a Miami judge yesterday declared that Trump's labor secretary, Alexander Acosta, acted illegally in granting Epstein a sweetheart deal. Now, we know this because we talked about this over two years ago. But this has been back in the news because of a Miami Herald expose, which, quote unquote, exposed that Alexander Acosta was really the guy who protected Epstein and got him that deal, which is completely, completely untrue. Um, The people who helped him were Trilateral Corporation, the Clinton Global Initiative, Rockefeller Foundation, and they were bullied. Acosta was bullied, but they took this story and they took this little kernel of Acosta being part of it. They left out all the facts, and they have presented it as though Acosta is the guy who protected sex offender and child sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. And the, the whole reason they're doing it is because they're trying to leave the impression in their target audience's mind that Trump was involved with Jeffrey Epstein's international sex trafficking operation and that trump when he got into office went ahead and rewarded the one guy who was responsible (laughs) for protecting epstein and if you doubt me on this at all just go type in jeffrey epstein or go type in alexander acosta on twitter and look at the way that people react to this story they all they all take this story and they say trump's a pedophile this is evidence of that he was working with epstein here's some of the headlines actually to show you how they how they frame it um one headline This is from the Miami Herald. How a future Trump cabinet member gave a serial sex abuser the deal of a lifetime. Or they could have said how 
a Florida prosecutor gave them, but they went ahead and chose or that. Or Ken Starr and Alan Dershowitz went to yeah, or, pressure those people but, were for harassing witnesses. Right, yeah. Or the Clinton Global Initiative. There's a number of ways they could have framed And that. the local Another one guys is, rolled too, except for the two cops, one of whom ended up dead. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of pressure. And the whistleblower ended up dead. The Miami Herald article, it, it that's the headline of it, right? And oh in God. the first paragraph, it makes that comment about Alexandra, Alexandra Acosta's, you know, his vital role in it. But then the rest of the four part expose doesn't prove any of that. It actually proves what I was just saying that they were bullied by all these powerful yeah. forces. Yeah. But nobody reads past that first headline in that initial paragraph. Hey, by so the like, way, it, I do think that this craft thing, the craft arrest, the Patri- Patriots guy who's a friend of Trump, they're like, oh, it's not far from Mar-a-Lago. I think this is going to play into that. Well, I, I was I was going to get to that right oh, no, here. All right. It means to scoop you. But <laughs> Normally, you can't get a word in. I'm trying to get a word in. Jeffrey Epstein and Robert Kraft, friends of President Donald Trump, are both having a bad week. Business <laughs> Insider. Yeah, you're. I, yeah, you're right about that. You said that. You said. Uh, you said that to me in a text message earlier, and like shortly after that, I started seeing articles linking Kraft and Epstein and to Acosta. The only thing Trump. I thought. The only thing I thought was this guy Kraft is a very, very powerful guy, and yeah. they were not. Just randomly picking him up at a massage parlor for nothing. So either there's yeah, something yeah. crazy going down or he's allowing it like a lot of those guys seem to do. They play along. Harvey <laughs> Weinstein. No, I really, they do. Roger Ailes, no, yeah, yeah. Bill O'Reilly. Like these guys seem to play along for some reason. They, they, they can take it. You know, you can take the hit because you're so big. And I just, I, this craft thing. It's not nothing. Oh, I agree. But the timing of it is impeccable with this Epstein. Yeah, story I mean, it's there's something up. going on there. And then I don't know what the what the R. Kelly story is about. But and this is crazy. Related, here. I, don't know. I, I mean, I'm just laughing at these headlines. There's another one. Trump's secretary of labor lied to victims of sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Federal judge says. Notice how they start with Trump's labor secretary. Now, I always, that was make sure a crime, though. They, what they did, those victims had a no, right. I'm not saying it's not. Yeah, yeah, it, no, absolutely. I know, but it was that that actually is the serious, the most serious thing that they did. No, that is that is the serious That's crime. That's what makes but it illegal. And Trump had nothing been, to do with it. Acosta was bullied into it. It, it was so those other should, forces that made that happen. What I'm saying is the judge should overturn the deal and put oh, Epstein absolutely. in jail for that reason. That's all I'm saying. And, you know, a theory could be that Trump made Acosta the secretary, the secretary of labor, maybe anticipating that this was going to come out and an investigation would be called. And if a real investigation happens, they're going to say this is invalid and they must they must uh, rescind it and they have to reveal who those co-conspirators are. That's what would happen in – in a world, I just don't. Of, well, that would happen if Trump were Batman, but I don't think he is. Yeah, I don't. I, even if he were Batman, I don't think it could happen straight up because it would collapse the system. Because they put people, they compromise people who are in these positions of society. That if they are exposed, then the argument, then they're going to say, "Well, we'll take them all out, and all of society will collapse." Or we can maintain society, and you just have to be okay with pedophiles running the operation. So I, I, I think that that's. I think it would have to be. Slow and subtle over a long period of time. I think um, the trend is definitely towards you got to better get okay with it. Yeah, yeah, I don't think yeah, they're taking them out. That. Plus, the the system works by having people in positions of power who are compromised. 
you can't clean it up. That would clean it. You know what I mean? That it, that would collapse the system. Yeah. You totally. have to have the people there so that you can use them later so that they can never have real power. It's just that when I think about JFK and Reagan getting shot and Nixon getting taken out, they these were all insiders from best I can tell, but insiders yeah. who thought they had some power. Yeah, yeah. So really the final nail in the coffin of all those stories, not final, but the strongest evidence that we have regarding whether or not Trump was involved with Jeffrey Epstein's sex operation. Now, I've talked about this a lot, but I'm going to actually play some audio here. So we have all these stories that are clearly leaving the impression and they're intending to leave the impression that Trump was involved with Epstein's sex trafficking ring, you know, mm -hmm. and all of it is just it's exploiting people's confirmation bias and, and it's leaving out vital information. And this is how you know what real fake news is when they don't talk about what the lawyer of 30 of the victims said when he was asked about Trump's involvement with Jeffrey Epstein. I would think that that would be some pretty important information to factor in this story before you draw a conclusion. So I'm going to play you. His name is Bradley Edwards. He gives his his thoughts on Trump. Again, this is the lawyer for over 30 Where, of Epstein's and victims. Who's, who is he talking to? I don't know what this news outlet is. But this it's is a new, he's it being interviewed like on the news. He's being interviewed Brad outside Edwards. of the courthouse. Got it. And he's been fighting Epstein for over a decade, and he's also opposed Trump in, like, uh, golf course lawsuits and stuff. So it's not like he's buddies with mm -hmm. Trump. Our current president has had relationships with Epstein in the past, and there are those, uh, Katie Johnson and maybe other victims, who accuse Trump of being involved in things like this. Um, in my experience, Trump supporters will not listen to anything along those lines. Obviously, we're not a court of law here right now, but are those claims of the, that case was dropped? It was dropped before it went to, to court. In your opinion as a lawyer and your experience, is there anything you can say as to the validity of those claims or whether or not there will be any, you know, any more about that? Nothing at all. I, the only thing that I can say about President Trump is that he is the only person who, in 2009, when I served a lot of subpoenas on a lot of people, or at least gave notice to some pretty uh, connected people that I was going, that I wanted to talk to them, he is the only person who picked up the phone and said, let's just talk. I'll give you as much time as you want. I'll tell you what you need to know. And was very helpful in the information that he gave and gave no indication whatsoever that he was involved in anything untoward whatsoever. But had good information that checked out and that helped us and that we didn't have to take a, a, a deposition of him. That was in 2009. That was in 2009. Wow. You would think a video, a video like that would have like half a million views at least you, I, I, I gotta go back and look at the number but it, it was in the hundreds it doesn't have very many views and, yeah, and the media fox doesn't play stuff like that right fox right and that's telling it's very telling i mean i found it you know so they can find it and yeah. brian stelter's interviewing this woman who wrote this miami herald expose expose who happened to leave this information out of it and she went she won an award by the way her expose on Epstein, that is what put Epstein back in the news and what led to um, Acosta being kind of kind of scapegoated as the guy who helped him out. It, it came out like last November. So he's interviewing her last week because of uh, this ongoing story. And he's going, such a fantastic job because she just won an award for her investigative journalism work, which is really, you know, when you give the facts, when you don't leave out vital facts, like 
two and a half years ago, we reported everything that she reported and we included the vital <laughs> facts like this. You know, we're purged from the internet. Uh, she does that. She leaves out some of the most important facts and she wins an award. It's unbelievable. And he says to her, he goes, so how did you find the resources with, you know, local journalism struggling to even do this investigation? I'm going, how did she find the resources? What, what, what? She just read the freaking documents, the court documents. That's all she did. And she's been interviewed on MSNBC, CNN. She's everywhere. She's a hero. And she's, and her, her story is leaving a lie in people's minds when there is hard evidence. I'm not rallying for Trump here. The reason I'm playing that is because it shows, it shows what fake news really looks like. I mean, that's real fake news right there. That is a vital fact that if it were included in any of these stories about Epstein and his plea deal and Trump, it would completely transform the conclusion that was drawn. Because the idea is to make it seem as though Trump and Epstein are buddy-buddy and Trump was you know, flying around a sex plane and doing whatever. But this statement from a lawyer is very much a vital fact that should be considered. A lawyer of the victims. Real fake news is hard. It's hard to spot. We have to embrace cognitive dissonance to do it, and that's uncomfortable. Because real fake news is designed to fit in to with what we already believe or what we so badly want to believe. And it's subtle. It lies far more by omitting vital facts than it does by making false overt statements. And it exploits our confirmation bias. And it does all of this for the purpose of leaving a false impression in the target audience's mind. And that false impression is, in fact, the real lie. Well, that is going to wrap it up for today. And thank you for listening. Thank you for everybody who's donated and continued to donate to the show. That's the only reason we can continue to do the show. So anybody who wants to help out, help us keep going. Donate whatever true. you can. I have to chime in. I hate to ask for support, but eventually, if uh, if break even does not happen, I just we can't keep it up. So we really rely on your contributions and appreciate them on a weekly basis. Yeah, it, that's why that's that's why Stelter asking that woman who reported a whitewash story that leads people to believe the opposite of reality, asking her oh, how yeah. she got the resources to, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's getting harder and harder to get around these, uh, these main stories they push. Well, you got to go to the archives. That's the one problem. way to do it. There's, is that they're demonetizing. Well, otherwise we could focus on advertising, which I think is a better model. I don't want to yeah, pay. If we had an award for something. We could put that no, on the front they of our demonetize. website. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, they demonetize it. I'm not worried about getting an award. I'm worried about, you know, ads on a blog is not the same as the YouTube ads. You yeah. could actually make money on that. But anything that gets any traction gets demonetized or like they suppress the numbers of how many views it gets. I stopped after Parkland. Once I got yeah. taken down, I never posted again because I don't want to be banned forever. If I want to. Yeah. Have, crack that's down what on the conspiracy theories again. Just just right after this other event, this um, in between the MAGA hat event with the Covington kids and this most more recent one, YouTube announced that they were going to be further cracking down on conspiracy theories. And they so and they're, you they're can't defend yourself. Nobody wants to hear it. They have never answered. WordPress never answered me. YouTube never answered me. I challenged them. And the reality is, you know, I just don't even have like the computer capacity to save every thing that I we record it, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. because you could go back yeah. and say, look, which they don't care. But I was trying to go back and find all my stuff like that. They actually, when they took it down, they took it away from me. But anyway, 
yes, it's super so- annoying because I prefer, I think just ads in the beginning of a YouTube video is a like win-win way of, uh, Making ends meet, and they know that, which is why they're not allowing it. Well, they're trying to cut it off. So any any little bit helps. And if you aren't in a position where you can do it, share it with your friends. Send yes, it that's an email to your friends. Opinion. Give us a, a rating. Uh, uh, leave us a review. Any uh, any way that you can help, we greatly appreciate it. And the more the more donations of help we can get, the more frequently we are able to produce content. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Monica, I'll see you later. Thanks. Later, Binkley.